Well, hello, hello. I had to unmute myself. Uh, I forgot to unmute myself. Good thing I, I caught myself. Welcome, uh, everybody, to the first uh, Discover Headless Tech interview. Now, Discover Headless Tech is, is a course with a whole bunch of how-tos, but now we're introducing interviews with headless creators and people in the industry. So welcome to the first episode. I am Marcelo Lewin, the headless creator, and you can get a hold of me as always, marcelo at headlesscreator.com. And I'm pointing to my email because for those of you watching live, you can email me and you see it right there. For those of you listening on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you're listening for the podcast, uh, just email me marcelo at headlesscreator.com. Uh, today's topic uh, in conversation is all about personalization and how do we incorporate personalization into a headless EMS? And more importantly, what is personalization? Why should we care about that? My guest uh, today is Andy Kaiser. He's the CEO and founder of Ninetailed, which is a headless personalization platform. We're going to talk to Andy in just a minute, find out more about that and really get into the details of personalization. But as always, uh, for those that watch my courses. I'm going to tell you real quickly about uh, headlesscreator.com. And for those of you watching, you can see, uh, go to headlesscreator.com and you'll be able to actually just uh, sign up. It's free registration. Again, headlesscreator.com for those of you listening on the podcast. Um, and you'll have access to uh, not only the Discover Headless Tech uh, course and interviews and everything else, but you'll have access to a bunch of other courses. Um, for example, we have a bunch on um, headless CMSs, uh, regardless of which CMS, uh, headless CMS you use. We have a focus on course for you. Uh, we also have a content modeling weekly. I'm a huge content modeling uh, geek. I love content modeling. I do it all the time. So um, you'll get, you'll have access to that course and that's 100% free uh, with um, over 32 lessons um, and hundreds and hundreds of hours of content modeling. Uh, I never get tired of content modeling. That's just how I am. Alrighty. Uh, so with that said, um, we're going to start the interview real soon here. I just want to remind you that uh, for those of you watching live, there is a comment bar. Feel free to type in any questions you have uh, for Andy right there. And as we get to it, I'll, I'll answer or I'll ask him for those uh, for those questions. But until then, let's get uh, going here. Andy, welcome. Hi. Hi. Really glad to be here. And, I'm glad uh, you're here. Thank you so much. You're my first guest, at least <laughs> from the interview. So that's why I'm kind of like, it's not perfect right now, right? You can see I'm kind of jumping around, but that's cool. That's no that's, problem. I think that's the, that's a great thing about streaming. And uh, that's an honor to be the first guest. <laughs> well, and, it's an honor uh, to have you here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, hey, uh, we're going to, I have some bunch of questions here um, mm -hmm. that, that I got also through the Twitter sphere and stuff. But I want to start out with uh, just getting a little background about yourself. Um, I mean, you're the founder of Ninetail. We'll, we'll get to Ninetail in just a minute. But yeah. um, have you always been an entrepreneur? Are you a developer? What's, what's your background? Yeah, uh, well, it's, uh, I would say it's an interesting story because I was born in Spain. So I'm originally from Spain, but uh, from a uh, from a family mixed Spanish, uh, mixed uh, Liechtensteiner, uh, so a very small country. And uh, yeah, I was born in Spain, lived there, studied uh, psychology, so completely apart from technology. But uh, once I when I was a teenager, I started like a designer mm -hmm. and uh, as a homegrown uh, web developer. 
And uh, yeah, the point is in the last years, <laughs> I moved more to the dark side. Uh, so to the dark I, side. Yeah, <laughs> away from the cool, cool things like web development <laughs> and content modeling, etc., <laughs> to more product management and marketing. Okay, that's not the dark side. It's maybe not as bright, but it's not the dark side. Let's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's say so. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. funny. I have a lot of product manager friends, and uh, I'll tell them that you consider it the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty always a dark side, also. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you've, so you, you, you have. It's interesting. You have a psychology background, which probably does help you in product management. Anyway, that's something you you really need. Um, what got you into um, personalization? First of all, why did you become interested in that? I'm assuming you got into that prior to starting your company. Yeah. Well, it was uh, a lot of years ago, really, uh, because uh, I worked for uh, big agencies in Spain for customers like Fiat, uh, a lot of banks, mm -hmm. and uh, I worked also a lot of years as enterprise CMS consultant. And uh, I really started, like I said, uh, like this mix of marketing, uh, web development. And uh, when I was like uh, working for an agency, we had like a, a customer who needed like uh, accessibility uh, points. And there I started also to, to get more into, uh, let's say it's so, uh, CMS, which were like uh, very content model driven. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I started with uh, Easy, uh, Easy Publish, which is now Ibexa, I think. And uh, at the end, it's, it was really, from my perspective, from this uh, uh, user experience perspective, I had in, in the college uh, studying uh, psychology, understanding the persons, uh, trying to give them best, uh, the persons, etc. I started really about thinking about, okay, it's really about the medium, the channel, it's uh, digital, right. but the, it's, it's about persons. So there I, I began really to... to, to Think about a lot about customer experience, user experience, and I think one point uh, goes, went to the others because I started with IB testing experimentation, mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, anyway what I studied. Right. Uh, in psychology, there's a lot of experimentation, and uh, then I think the next step was really about personalization because experimentation and personalization are similar but are not the same. Right, and, right, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into the details mm, of all that. Yeah. So, why did you decide to become an entrepreneur and and start? Is this your first company, or you've had other companies? Well, I had several companies. Uh, okay. One better, <laughs> others with a lot of learnings. Right, and I think really it's about uh, creating things. It's about creating products, uh, having the options to to be in front of uh, of the innovation, to be in front of of, let's say so, uh, to be really. At the point where where we are building the future, and yeah. uh, and for example, with uh, with all this headless movement or API first movement, Jamstack, mm -hmm. you name it, <laughs> all, all the fancy keywords we like to come up with. <laughs> exactly, but it's like I, I feel like it's it's like the um, if I if I think if I if I look back, it's like uh, the right moment. It's like what the future will be, and uh, it's. Uh, at the end, it's really fast. So if we are speaking about the future, it's, it's perhaps next year or two years. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's for technology, right? Yeah. I mean, the next three months, that's the future and everything changes after that. Exactly. So, 
Yeah, totally. Cool. So why don't we jump in and and I have a whole bunch of questions here. I want to remind uh, those watching live right now. Of course, if you're listening on demand, you can't ask any questions. But those of you watching live, feel free to type in questions in the comments, anything regarding personalization uh, or anything else. I mean, I got to ask you about those books, but we'll leave that for later. You got two books behind you. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that for later. Let's jump into personalization. Let's let's define personalization because you said A-B testing personalization. Let's define what is personalization? What do we mean by that? Yeah, um, I think it depends of the, of the perspective. But if we think about the marketing perspective or the customer experience perspective, uh, personalization is really tailoring the experience of a service or a product uh, to a specific audience. And if we say audience, it's it's at the end, it's it's uh, a group of persons. So at the end, it's really this tailoring the experience to a specific person or a group, uh, say, audience. Um, if we go out a little deeper and we see it from a content perspective, uh, we could simplify it. And it's really about showing the right content at the right time to the right person. It's funny, you mentioned group, right? But to me, personalization is, is even more granular. It's me. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because when I go to Amazon, right, they know mm -hmm. exactly what I want. And I'll be honest with you, I have a love-hate relationship with personalization <laughs> because I kind of like it because it does help me in life. Uh, there's privacy concerns, which we're going to get into, but I also end up buying a whole bunch of stuff I don't need to buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a psychological process behind personalization. There is, and, right. Uh, and at the end, really, it's it's... I think I think anyway. Uh, one of the things we will see in the next years is is the change between or the move from personalization to personification. So I really like to speak about audiences, because at the same time uh, we have this kind of hyper personalization, but mm -hmm. it's uh, really it has its drawbacks like uh, privacy. Uh, we have right. seen also a lot of. Let's say it. so. Not so good things or uh, related with personalization around social media, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's really uh, the issue with personalization in the last uh, years is that we had a lot of bad experiences, like I said, with uh, with social media, and uh, now I really like to speak about audiences, even if we have like this uh, uh, hyper personalization, which is also good. Because uh, from an e-commerce perspective, you get, you discover the products which really fits for you. Uh, you you have an experience which is tailored, yes, for you. Uh, yes, for example, the algorithm in, in YouTube. It's always it's always funny uh, how you see like, uh, okay, that, that video would be really interesting for me. Or Netflix, the, another uh, example. Right. And, that, and I think that's a good thing about personalization, really, to find, to discover things you haven't or you wouldn't have discovered by yourself it's like but like i said it's it also has a dark side <laughs> so it's well really yeah let's funny. let's talk a little bit about that and and we don't get political here at all but let's exactly. talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that because uh sometimes with personalization it creates sort of an echo chamber because you mentioned it, it helps you discover but it helps you discover things that you already like or you already kind of tend to right you mentioned netflix uh my feed is going to be different than my wife's feed Right. And I may not discover stuff that she's watching and she may not discover stuff that I'm watching. So the next question that I had for you is about drawbacks to personalization. Would we would you consider this echo chamber kind of a drawback to personalization? I think 
I think uh, if with uh, I don't remember what's the talk, but it's this bubble talk about Google, which is uh, Google is one very good example about personalization because they do really good personalization based on on your search uh, history, on on everything they know about you or the algorithms right. know about you, and uh, it has this good things but also the bad things, and uh, and the bad thing at the end it's really this bubble when you think when the whole experience is one-to-one personalized, uh, it doesn't give an option to go outside this personalization. And I think Other that's... perspectives. Exactly. And I think that's when uh, this audience-based or this personification has uh, has this positive impact. Because uh, also as marketeers, if we only think about uh, conversion rate optimization, mm-hmm. of course, it's it's the main goal. But, uh, but if we only think about that, uh, we go over all this discovery stage. And at the end, really, uh, you can create uh, personalized experiences around this discovery, around learning, etc. And uh, I think it's there where it becomes really powerful. And at the end, it's really being user-centric and have this, uh, yeah, this understanding of, of the users from a data perspective, but also offering them, uh, the users, an option uh, different options, and these options can be personalized. So it's it's about giving them uh, the users uh, a different bunch of options, uh, which are not shown to everyone. So it's really about where is the level of personalization and mm-hmm. uh, and what we want to learn from the personalization. Right. Right, right, right. No, I mean, like I said, I do have this love hate relationship. It's mostly love with, with personalization because at the end of the day. Um, you know, it helps you in your life, right? Now you're giving up something for that. And and this leads me to my next question, which is privacy, right? Hmm. You're giving up your privacy. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Hmm. I have a son that's really into privacy and he's like, wants to be completely off the grid. So we can't even test anything in his browser because nothing works because, because he turned off so much that nothing actually works. So nothing, he's not tracked, right? But nothing can be personalized. So how do we strike the balance between, because you have to get a lot of data. For me to tell you, suggest to you something you like and personalize that experience, I need to know a lot about you. How do we strike that balance between mm-hmm. privacy uh, and personalization? That's, that's interesting because uh, myself, I'm a little privacy freak. Uh, and, and you have a company about personalization. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the point. <laughs> because I, I really think about the positive personalization. And I see. Uh, for example, um, I use like, uh, I, I don't know if I should say it, but uh, privacy blockers, uh, filters, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, also my company, well, the tool we have is not uh, app blocker. So uh, that's also one point because uh, our technology is really, yeah, some kind advanced. And anyway, not speaking about company, speaking about the privacy, I think uh, it's always about respecting also the other person or respecting the the customers. So uh, even if somebody is really, uh, yeah, looks for the the privacy, there are always data points uh, which can give some information about that user. And I think it's really about the balance. So you don't need to have like this uh, hyper-personalization. Of course, if you have, have the data, use it in the right way. But mm-hmm. uh, also think about personalization from a, from a privacy perspective. So, for example, it's possible to even only having like, uh, like the country of the user or like uh, the landing page of the user. So 
only first party data, which is also another topic because one of the biggest things about privacy is really the third party data, how they sell the data from right. one company to another. But if we as companies really think about using the data in a right way uh, to serve our customers, uh, we can do personalization. So based on first party data, so uh, the behavior on the on the on the website or on the, on other channels, but also thinking about zero party data, which is uh, a concept I really like because mm -hmm. zero party data is when the user gives information and it's uh, unfiltered information. It's uh, for example uh, when you are in a control panel or I don't know in a in a in a shopping in a shop an e-commerce where you say okay what are my interests my interests are smartphones or whatever so it's it's not based on on complex uh, data-based algorithms it's just okay the user has said uh, uh, they want to see smartphones so show them smartphones and based on this combination of different interests uh, on this first party data it's possible to to personalize the experience and at the end it's it's really about finding this balance between giving the the customer or the user something and getting back something and and right. of course privacy will be a very important thing but i think we have also a bright future if we just respect the privacy of the users and the user will give us more and more data but better data because they know why they are giving the data Right, right, right. And and I think that privacy has to be somehow respected across the chain. And what I mean by that is, for example, and, I, and I'm not saying your engine um, has APIs that it talks to outside of your company, but let's say you're using a an engine and that engine uses another API and that API uses another API and you say, no, we respect, right? But then what about, you know, down the chain? Hmm. How do you track all of that? And I'm a huge believer of also, well, permission-based, let the user decide what they want to share. But the problem with that too, is that users don't know when they said, no, I don't want to share that, what breaks, what kind of personalization will break down the chain yeah. too, right? Because you may say, no, I don't want to share this, but now all of a sudden you're not going to get all these features because you said no to this. So it's finding sort of that balance. Yeah, and and, and, and and yes, thinking loud, but for example, in that cases, we could think about, okay, we know this user does not want personalization, so we can personalize exactly. the journey, explaining uh, this user how uh, giving this kind of data or other kind of data. What's going to happen? The outcome. And yeah. at the end, it's really about this relationship, this communication uh, with the user, and respecting the users how they want. Because at the end, it's it's not about only selling and only using yeah, the data. Data. It's, it's right. really about structuring. Uh, yeah. Um, a relationship between brands, a relationship with companies and customers. Right, so. exactly. Yep, yep. So um, how do we measure success? Uh, once we implement personalization, um, how do we measure that success? How do we know it's working? Yeah, that's that's interesting because at the end it's, it's with data. Uh, we need, <laughs> <laughs> in this case, it's, it's really we need um, from, a, from a business perspective, uh, personalization is also a process. It's a process of learning. Uh, it's uh, somehow a process of experimentation. So mm. uh, you have an hypothesis that this content or this personalization uh, will work for this audience. And based on that, uh, you create this variance and you have to let's say, so, uh, see or test that they, that they have an uplift and that they work. So it's really about goal-driven. So uh, you have different goals. 
it could be like engagement goals and say, okay, if the user is more than uh, one minute on the page, uh, it's a success for the personalization. Or if the user visits uh, multiple pages or go to really uh, very uh, sales-driven uh, goals where you say, okay, if the, if the customer buys, uh, then the personalization is successful. And at the end, it's really a combination between understanding the, the customer journey, understanding uh, what works, and understanding better the, the, the customers. So uh, to understand better customers is really better to work in these audiences or personas. And well, on the other that, I was going to ask you about personas. This is a perfect lead into that. Let's talk okay. about personas. What are personas? Why is that important? Yeah, like, like I said, it's really about this learning. So personas give you, if we think about user-centric, and, uh, and I'm a big believer that innovation should be user-centric. Um, if we think that uh, that this user-centric is learning about the, the users, because if you understand your users, you can uh, give them users what they need or what they want. So personalization is part of this uh, understanding or learning journey uh, from a company perspective. And, um, and personas make it easier to regroup this kind of users. And now we are speaking really about this personalization, which is uh, more intent-based. So understanding, okay, what is the intention of the user in the right moment, which really works very well with B2B, but also for e-commerce based on, okay, what is the intent, what, uh, from what campaign the user comes. And based on this campaign, I show them special prices, et cetera, which is Give an example of intent. When you say intent, give an example. In what do you mean? Intent is uh, at the end, if we think about the buying process, it's 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 a journey. Not it's not like a funnel from a classical perspective, where every user has like three steps, and it's like page one, page two, page three. It's a really long, sometimes long, and sometimes a very fast process. But uh, it's mm -hmm. a journey. So right. so the user, for example, from my e-commerce perspective, uh, when somebody wants to decide to buy something, there's a review uh, stage where the user compares like different products, then it's like a price comparison uh, stage where the user compares different products. And uh, there are a lot of psychologies, uh, psychology uh, drivers inside that. Uh, I always remember this example about Airbnb when they did like the, the A-B testing of uh, having like uh, good images versus uh, not so good images. And uh, it improved the, the conversion rate. And the reason behind it is because uh, a lot of yeah, uh, purchases we do are really done in, in, in a couple of milliseconds. So that's interesting because also with all the, the yam stack around performance, uh, it's, it's one of the points because the decision is so fast, we have to uh, enable real-time personalization and high-performance personalization. But again, it's, it's really about uh, finding what attributes uh, are the important ones in the different stages. And it's at the end, it's a journey. And uh, you have to support this decision process uh, in, the different in the different steps of the journey. So what are some do's and don'ts with personalization? Uh, let's start with the don'ts. Like, don't ever... What? <laughs> I think it's it's really about uh, what we have spoken before about uh, privacy. Privacy. Yeah. And uh, I think it's you if you only have like uh, very hard KPIs, and of course you can have it uh, through uh, e-commerce uh, uh, 
recommendation systems, etc. But if you only think about personalization from a, a AI perspective or machine learning perspective, and uh, only use uh, conversion rate, and you generate this kind of bubble around the user, for me, it's like a don't, uh, a don't because it's really about not respecting the customer, not understanding what is working. And uh, yeah, like we said, it's something which happened on social media. Social media has a lot of good things. But on the other side, one of the, the bad things is really this, this uh, hyper-personalization and creating like these bubbles, etc. And yeah, that's uh, for me the don'ts. If you only think about, if you think only about the company and not about the users. Right. And what about some, some do's that are important? Yeah, uh, I think the do's is really about that uh, personalization is a learning, uh, an optimization process. So it's like something mm. which is interactive. It's very iterative, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, also very related with uh, agile companies. I'm not saying personalization, it's only uh, doable through uh, agile companies, but it's this kind of mindset of thinking, okay, uh, iterations, understanding iterations, and uh, improving the system, uh, improving the experience at the end, and uh, understanding what was what works, what doesn't work, and uh, moving it also to a bigger picture to say, okay, we have found that this is not working, so we should think about uh, what, for example, what our product should be or what uh, what uh, what our customers are expecting. Right. So it's really about this relationship and this user-centric process. So let's get into a little bit of the technical details. What does the tech stack look like? I mean, we have a headless CMS, right? Mm -hmm. We're here, we're focused on obviously headless creator, sure. headless CMSs. So you have a headless CMS. How do we then incorporate um, generically? How do we incorporate any personalization uh, into a headless CMS? Because most headless CMSs, that's the whole point. They don't come with personalization. They allow you to, because it's headless, it's API driven, they allow you to add. How do you incorporate it? What, what are some of the tools that are needed to get that going? I think the first thing is, is uh, headless CMS do it the right way because it's really this best of breed approach. Mm -hmm. uh, headless CMS are good because they really focus on content and they do content management very well. And uh, if we think about uh, what kind of personalization solutions we have, um, going a little back uh, uh, about your question, is like uh, usually we have like two ways. And uh, we have the first way, which is more the classic way, which is mm -hmm. uh, JavaScript snippets. They do the personalization on the client base. So they change everything on the client. Uh, this usually means that the marketeers or uh, personalization creators have to go to the website with a visual editor, change it, etc. And this is the classical way, but we also have to understand why uh, they exist. And it was like really because uh, it was the right time uh, and uh, the moment where client-based modifications were the way to go. Because mm -hmm. we didn't have like uh, the technologies we have now, like uh, headless CMS, etc. And uh, I think in the last years, really from a technical perspective, uh, we have come to a very modular system where we can choose the best solutions. So mm -hmm. we don't need like this uh, all-in-one solution CMS where we have like a search, uh, personalization, uh, uh, image asset optimization, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think. Uh, if we see it from a perspective that if you want to do everything, perhaps you're not doing everything well, or you're right. doing it well, but not perfectly. 
and uh, and uh, as a developer or a marketeer, you don't have to the, the ability to choose. Okay, I need for this specific case this specific technology. So you are trapped into this all solution uh, right, system. Yeah. yeah, and um, I think uh, if we think about headless CMS, it's like they are there because it's like this API ecosystem or mm -hmm. like this way of building uh, web experiences or building web architectures. And uh, and at the end, it's really about if you're using the pros of a headless CMS, it also makes sense to not to use like uh, the classical uh, snippets because they have the drawbacks. Like I said, uh, they are not integrated in the content. So it's needed to do it through a visual editor. And, uh, and also they are not yeah, they're not in the front end. They're like in the client. And so right. you have other issues like flicker effects, rehydration uh, in, 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 for example, in, in Gatsby or other front end uh, frameworks. And at the end, uh, if you are using like the benefits of a headless uh, CMS, surely we'll be using also the benefits of other API solutions like, uh, uh, like search with Algolia or other providers. So right. for me, it's like finding really this, okay, we have modern architectures or the feature-proof architectures. So it's really about finding also the right personalization engine for these kind of, uh, of uh, architectures. So, so with an API-driven personalization engine such as yours, um, this doesn't rely on the front end to do the snippets, right? So you're doing this through through your own admin screen, right? First, you set up all your personalization information and then um, uh, integrate it into the headless CMS via some sort of integration. Like for example, if you do a Contentful or Content Stack or Graph CMS, any of those, they have like UI extensions that exactly. you can integrate things into. Would it be like that? Yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing is really, if we think about this uh, best of breed approach, um, what is personalization? Personalization is something which happens on the front end, uh, which is based on different data points. And uh, at the same time, uh, it changes or shows different content based on different profiles, different users, mm -hmm. uh, different audiences, whatever. And uh, we have also uh, spoken about you have to understand if the personalization is working. So you have also this analytic point. So we have front end, we have data, we have uh, content, and we have analytics. And uh, uh, in an approach of an API first approach, you have an API and the API sends or gets the integrates into the front end. So you have like SDKs for different uh, systems. Right. Uh, you have at the end also an integration with the CMS because the CMS, the headless CMS is the one who is the source for the content. And on the other way, you send data to the analytics tools like Google Analytics or Mixpanel. And uh, at the end, it's a layer, an API layer, and you get the best of every, every world. So uh, the developers can create uh, more advanced personalizations because they, they can integrate the API in the front end or in the, it's, let's say it's on a front-end framework like Gatsby or React, so they can really code and uh, they use this API to enable personalizations. But they have, for example, the ability to change the UI if something is personalized right. or show different, uh, different, con well, different uh, elements based on the personalization, whatever. 
uh, and also use different data points like uh, a CDP or whatever they want to. So they have the control over the data, they have the control over the layout. Or the, and I think that's, that's the interesting thing also about, about modern teams because everyone is good at one point and they have to, to, to concentrate on this or focus on this, right. uh, on this pile. And on the other hand, you have the content creators or marketeers and they should focus on audiences, they should focus on, on content. So having this API and uh, being able to integrate through an app or a UI extension and different headless CMS, you solve that gap between uh, visual editors and content. So not you only not uh, um, solve this gap, you also have the ability to reuse content. So it's not like... Uh, Which is the to... whole point of a headless CMS, right? <laughs> exactly. A single yeah. source of truth, reusability, yeah, scalability. Exactly. That's why we moved away from the monolithic traditional yeah, exactly. CMS. And at the, at the end, personalization is like height of an, another touch point, let's say it's so. So it's yeah. like uh, using uh, one central point for the content and having this uh, personalization API taking the, the, the content fragments. And, and that's interesting because also it's quite important to have a right uh, content modeling, but we can go to this uh, later. No, no, it's a, it's a perfect thing to jump into. But before we jump into that, what I... Um, we've been talking about people creating these variances, but what about what's the role? And we'll jump into we're getting pretty close to the end here. But what's the role of AI and machine learning in personalization, right? Because a lot of this could be algorithms. Yeah, and I think that's that's the point. It's really about uh, this finding this also this balance because uh, we have two types, from my perspective, two types of personalization. We have a recommendation based personalization, which is really AI driven. So it's based on a lot of different data points. So uh, for e-commerce, uh, they have been really successful with recommendation uh, personalization. It uses a lot of different uh, data points like pricing, uh, uh, search history, behavior, whatever. And on the other point, uh, it's this, uh, what we call like intent-based personalization, which is really about more this understanding the intent. Uh, from a marketeer perspective, uh, understanding the personas, understanding the stages of the personas in the funnel, et cetera, and showing. So it's not content. just understanding what they're looking at, but why they're looking at that exactly. and what do they want to do with that? Because different products or content, whatever, even could be the intent could be different on various people. Correct. Exactly. And if we think about it from a content perspective, um, uh, of course we could say, let's, Let's build every website only with AI. So it's like nobody, uh, and, and it's advanced really crazy how, how, how content or AI-driven creation has advanced in the last uh, years. But, but um, it's really about not creating like this website only through AI. It's really about, uh, because if we only create it through AI, we will not learn about uh, the, the customers. And for example, if we think about Okay, what are the USPs of a company? Uh, with uh, with uh, personalization and testing, it's possible to really understand. Okay, what USPs works better? So it's also possible to enhance the USPs in the sales process, etc. So it's really about not not having everything uh, automatic and uh, finding the right balance. Because uh, of course, if you are uh, looking into e-commerce you can have this combination of using uh, recommendation-based uh, personalization, but also uh, more, let's say it's so intent-based personalization. So it, 
it's it's really about the mix. Yeah, um, totally. Um, Andy, unfortunately, we're pretty much uh, running out of time here. I have a whole <laughs> bunch of more questions. That means this was a great interview, man. Maybe we'll have you back to do more. I want to close it up with asking you about structured content. I'm a content modeling geek. Mm. I'm a huge believer of structured content um, and doing a scalable content model. Let's mm. wrap it up with, is it important, uh, which I hope the answer is yes, <laughs> but is it important? Because otherwise I'm out of a job, man. Um, no, no, is no. Because <laughs> that's all I do is content modeling. Uh, is it important to have a good content model? And if it is, why? Yeah, I think uh, it's critical, really. Because uh, if Thank you have you. like... <laughs> no, that's, that's the point really about, uh, about one, uh, one of the things I really uh, think is one of the biggest benefits of, of headless CMS is how they work with content modeling. Because they give like this uh, opportunity of using content in different channels, but defining the right uh, content model for these different channels, uh, seeing how it mixes, etc. And uh, there are two points why I think it's critical, because um, it's uh, if you have like the right content structure and it's right defined, it's uh, really possible to create like very granular personalizations. So it's possible to to create a personalization just on a I don't know just on a, a USP or on a pricing whatever, and that's also this point of where it gets very powerful because you can combine much better this uh, AI driven recommendation personalization with the intent personalization. So it's really about uh, about finding this balance, but you need the right content for that. And as we said. Uh, this legacy tools or snippet uh, JavaScript, they don't have this ability. So if you have like the right uh, content modeling, you can really show the right uh, personalized content in combinations, etc. So if we think about intention, just one word more. If we think about intention, is uh, you have somebody, one person can have different intentions at the same time. So it's possible to combine this intention. So it's possible to combine personalization. But if we think only about a content model where you only have like a, I don't know, I'm, I'm saying like a page with a title and a, a HTML block. A blob of text. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't personalize uh, on right. different. Well, intents. because there's no relationship between that. It First of all, it doesn't know about itself, meaning that exactly. it's not self-aware. It doesn't have metadata, right, to mm -hmm. know about exactly. itself. And a lot of personalization, I'm assuming, uses a lot of metadata, right? Exactly. So when you have a blob of text, that's all it is. There's just, there's exactly. no nothing about it, right? And then you can build relationships between that piece of text and some other piece of text that you can then bring into the recommendation engine or exactly. personalization engine. Exactly. exactly. And uh, and for example, uh, we ourselves have, the, have it in the website. We have like a very granular uh, content model. I'm sure you would have defined it better than us. But <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> But uh, for example, we, we we personalized even the 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 USPs. So it's possible, for example, if we identify a marketeer or a developer on our site, uh, we can uh, personalize the USPs in the different uh, pages of the website. So I it's see. really about this uh, reusing the content and showing yep. the content in the right way. And uh, and when you have a structured content, it's also much easier for the content creators to create content and right. uh, to show the content in different parts. And more importantly, to maintain that content. Because exactly. we know content gets old quickly, and when you have duplicates, forget maintenance, because that falls on the back burner always. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, no, yep, no go ahead, finish no, your that's, thought. And, and that's really, the, the I think, this, this, uh, 
the most yeah the the, the most uh, benefit if we compare it with uh, JavaScript uh, solutions, which yeah. are completely outside of the content. Yeah. And uh, and uh, if we think about also also this all-in-one solutions or classic CMS, that's the same issue. They they usually have a very strict uh, content modeling, and uh, and at the end, really, it's it's about reusing this content, about working with the content, and right. personalization is just a step more in this work around content. Yeah, totally. Andy, thank you so much. I think this was a, a great first interview. I appreciate <laughs> you being here. Uh, I personally learned a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm not extremely familiar about personalization besides the fact that I keep buying stuff at Amazon. So I know how that works, but <laughs> that from, works. The, from the content creation perspective. So um, yeah. it, it, you've made me understand it better. Thank you so much. And if people want to get a hold of you, um, is it that email address, uh, Twitter? Uh, my email address, uh, my Twitter is Andy Kaiser. And uh, anyway, on Ninetales.io, you can also test some of the personalizations we have on the website. Okay. And uh, if you want to learn more. Is there a more, trial for that too? A free trial? Uh, we have uh, a free, uh, free, free tier for uh, developers okay. or on our website. So they can register. So, and... so give it a try because uh, we are speaking really about personalization and it seems like a very big thing. You need a lot of data, but you yeah. can really for a personal website start with, uh, with smaller personalizations. Yeah. And we think about, for example, uh, if you have like a, a personal we uh, website and you link uh, this personal website from LinkedIn, you could, for example, show a different message to this uh, LinkedIn traffic or uh, refer traffic or whatever. So it's really about thinking about these use cases and uh, it's it's possible to start small because we started thinking, okay, personalization, is it not about one person? And personalization is about one person. So it doesn't matter how many visitors you have. If you have one visitor, you can personalize for that visitor. Exactly. Right, right. Okay, cool. Andy, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and I also appreciate it a lot. Alrighty, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the first interview on the Headless uh, Discover Headless Tech uh, course. Um, there'll be many, many more to come. So make sure you register at headlesscreator.com. Get your free account there. You'll have access to all of the courses. They're all free. So go for it. Um, and until the next interview, I am Marcelo Lewin, the Headless Creator. Cheers, everybody.